Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Today's podcast is presented by EPRA, the European Public Real Estate Association. Facing global megatrends like green transition and aging population, how will listed real estate contribute to a sustainable future and financial security for Europe? Germany has voted, but it's still in the balance. Whether Olaf Scholz or Armin Laschet will succeed Angela Merkel as Chancellor. Welcome to a special edition of EU Confidential coming to you from Berlin. I'm Andrew Gray, Politico's EU editor, and it's a cliffhanger. In a historic election on Sunday, which brings an end to the Angela Merkel era, it's still not exactly certain who will follow in her footsteps as Germany's next Chancellor. In a moment, you'll hear from political reporters who were at the political party's election night events around the city and will analyse the results and look at what happens next. But first, let's go through the numbers. Right now, as we record this podcast in the wee hours of Monday morning, it looks like the Social Democrats, who nominated Finance Minister Olaf Scholz as their candidate for Chancellor, have a small but steady lead. According to the latest projections, they're on around 26% of the vote, about two percentage points ahead of the Conservative CDU-CSU camp, long dominant under Angela Merkel, but with Armin Laschet, the Premier of the state of North Rhine-Westphalia, as their candidate for Chancellor this time around. They're on about 24% of the vote. Now, those numbers might have changed a bit by the time you hear this, but if the pollsters know their stuff, they won't have changed by much. But here's the kicker. Either of those two could still lead the next government, whether they finish first or second if they manage to form a coalition with both of the two parties that finished third and fourth. That's the Greens, who are on about 14.5%, and the Free Democrats on about 11.5%. Just to complete the results picture, the far-right alternative for Germany are on 10.5%, and the left party is on just under 5%. So we don't know who will be the next Chancellor, and we don't know which parties will make up the next coalition although it looks likely that the Greens and the FDP will be in government one way or another. For what it's worth to this observer, right now it looks like Schultz and the SPD have the better cards when it comes to being in charge. But who knows how it will all play out. Let's bring in some people who might be able to help us figure that out. Late on Sunday evening, we hosted a live audio chat with our reporters on Twitter. Thanks to those of you who listened in live. Let's dive into that conversation now, starting with our Chief Europe Correspondent, Matt Karnichnik, here in Berlin. Matt, what are the headlines from the numbers so far, as far as you're concerned? 
Well, I think the most astonishing thing, although it might not be that surprising given the recent polls, but to see that the CDU has really collapsed in such a dramatic way, even though they've come back, I guess, from where they were in the polls, but it's still the worst result for them since World War II. To me, especially when you consider how popular Merkel is and you know how popular the party has really been overall over the past 16 years, to, to see them where they are now is, is pretty surprising. And the flip side of that, which is also surprising, is that the SPD, which has been for most of the past couple of years at around 15%, has managed to charge back here under Olaf Scholz as the chancellor candidate to lead the field so far. So I think both of those are pretty surprising. Yeah. And as we'll hear in the course of this discussion, of course, a lot of this, as always in politics, is about expectations, uh, how the parties have done compared to how they might have been expected to do. And, you know, I think we'll find that some have overperformed and some very much underperformed on on that scale. But let's get a flavour of the different uh, party camps, the different post-election events. And let's start with Hans von der Burkhardt. Hans, you were at the Social Democrats uh, headquarters. What was the mood there? They moved into the lead in the polls a few weeks ago, obviously very hopeful of first place. Right now, it looks like they're in first, but it's very close still. You know, that margin could narrow. I guess it's still possible that they might not end up in in first place. But what was the, the mood at SPD headquarters? What was the reaction when those first projections came out? Yes, good evening, Andrew. So uh, as you can imagine, when the first projections came out, especially the first exit poll, uh, one of them which put the SPD at the lead ahead of the CDU, there was a lot of cheering. People especially then uh, cheered very loudly when Olaf Scholz came on the stage. And held a speech and said that he wants to become chancellor. Und auch weil sie wollen, dass der nächste Kanzler dieses Landes Olaf Scholz heißt. So, of course, there's a, a good upbeat mood here. There's now even a band playing outside. People are dancing. Lots of beer is being drunk. And so uh, it's generally a good mood. But uh, as you um, correctly pointed out, they're aware that they haven't won yet, especially uh, one of the options, like I could call it their reserve option, because there was always the possibility of a so-called stoplight coalition of the SPD with the Greens and the liberal FDP party that would bring Olaf Scholz to power. Or the alternative, the red-red-green coalition with the Greens and the far-left party. This option now seems to have completely disappeared. Uh, as you mentioned, the far-left party is currently struggling really to get into parliament. They're really at this 5% hurdle where they're at the brink of falling out of parliament. But even if they get in with, let's say, 5 or 5.1%, they won't have, at least under the current projections, not enough seats to build such a far-left coalition. So it's uh, very much a cliffhanger, and it really depends now whether the SPD or the CDU can make the better offer to the Greens and the FTP to um, build a coalition. So from that point of view, yes, people here are very optimistic and upbeat because the SPD, let's face it, they've been uh, taking lots and lots of beatings in previous elections, and now they're back with uh, really a big success for them. Yeah, but they also know they're not there yet. Right, they don't have the ultimate prize yet. And just to recap, it does look at the moment like there are two main coalition options, uh, both of which are basically one of the bigger parties, although they're not nearly as big as they were. So that's either the SPD or the CDU-CSU. And then joined by 
the Greens and the Free Democrats. Those seem like the two options. Mathematically, also another grand coalition between the two uh, bigger parties looks like it would be possible. Both parties say they don't want to do that again. They did kind of make noises like that the last time, and they did end up doing it. So I suppose we shouldn't rule it out completely. But there does seem to be a desire to try and build one of those three-way coalitions, even though that brings a lot of its own complications. So uh, let's cut now to Lawrence Gerke, our reporter who was at the CDU-CSU event. What was the mood like there, Lawrence, when those first uh, projections came out? Yes, the picture here was very different from what Hans just described. When the first projections came out at six, there wasn't any applause, any cheering. I mean, it was the worst result in history for the CDU. And um, so it was very quiet. And then a couple of seconds later, when it turned out that the left party had a very bad result as well, then people started applauding. So I imagine other parties' misfortune made it easier to bear their own bad performance for them. But still, since then, it hasn't really turned into a big party here. Uh, it's, it's very uh, quiet. Right, so quite a subdued mood, although we heard Armin Laschet then come out and give this speech where he acknowledged it was a disappointing night. But we can now say, with the result, we can't be sein that they had lost a lot of votes, so that we kind of kind of made the excuse that they didn't have an incumbent chancellor running, so they weren't getting that kind of bonus, uh, but acknowledged it had been a bad night, but then also said that they had a claim to form uh, the next government, that he was going to try and do that. Deshalb werden wir alles daran setzen, eine Bundesregierung unter Führung der Union zu bilden. So that's why we've got this quite extraordinary situation uh, on election night of, of basically two people saying, I should be the next chancellor and I'm going to try and, and form a government. Let's uh, move across town to the Greens, uh, a party which at one point really had ambitions and aspirations to come first in this election, was first in the opinion polls for a time a few months ago after their chancellor candidate Annalena Baerbock was nominated, but then fell away. However, they can look at a significant increase in their score compared to last time. So let's bring our, our reporter who was at their event, Josh Posaner. Josh, what was the mood at the Greens? So yeah, the Greens party was not in the party headquarters as it was for other guys. It was uh, actually in a nightclub in a hip district of Berlin. So quite a strange venue and quite a strange atmosphere to go with that. Because as you said, of course, the Greens had very high hopes for this election. They put forward a candidate for the first time to be Chancellor, Annalena Baerbock. And after some really encouraging early polling in the, the early summer months, they really began to fall away. So Today, they have quite a strange situation where on the one hand, they're posting their best ever result. But on the other hand, there was a lot of disappointment. Uh, and Anne-Lena Baerbock in her speech afterwards said that she had made mistakes and that she wanted more. We wanted more. That's what we didn't achieve, also because of our own mistakes at the beginning of the wahlkampf in the campaign. Own mistakes me. Because at the end of the day, they might have posted their best ever result and they're almost certainly going to be in the next government in Germany. But they're 
around 10 points short of any of the other two major parties to field a chancellor candidate. Mm. Let's go to another party, which uh, I think, as Hans mentioned earlier, also had some hopes of being part of the next government. That was the idea that there could be a tie-up between the SPD, the Greens and the Left Party. But the Left Party has not uh, enjoyed a good night. Our reporter Netta Nusslinger was at their event. Netta, what was the mood among the activists and supporters of the Left So, as you said, in the beginning of the evening, the atmosphere was quite good. People were nervous somehow, but the event took place in an event venue in a beer garden in sunny Berlin. And people really had their hopes up for a possible left-wing coalition. But when the first projections started to come in, you could really feel that the atmosphere shifted. So the public was booing at the results. Uh, They were very, very disappointed. The top politicians, however, and the party leaders, they seemed somehow more prepared. So they really had their speeches already prepared. The party was also at 6% in the polls in the previous days before the election. Yeah, and the party leaders, they blamed it on the internal party conflicts that took place over the last years while stressing that the election campaign had really nothing to do with it. And then also one of the frontrunners, Dietmar Batch, pointed out that he's very convinced that the left party's place should be in the opposition as they had such a weak result. Okay, so it looks like that's off the table. And I think you posted a great picture on our live blog that people can still follow as we uh, chart this election night, which was just a couple of hours after the polls closed, just one dancer left on his own in the middle of the dance floor at the left's event, dancing appropriately enough to uh, Dancing on My Own by Robin. Um, let's move from Berlin to Brussels and bring in Politico's Florian Ader. Florian, I wonder, first of all, what your impressions are of the election result and also how you think they'll be read in Brussels. I know that depends who you talk to, but what do you think will be the overall takeaways that people have from this result in terms of the direction of, of the European Union? There's two possible or two likely coalitions that might come out of the result of that evening. That's a uh coalition between either the CDU-CSU or the SPD with the Greens and the Liberals. So that's about it. And that's what we're going to see over the next weeks. I think there will be going to be intense uh, negotiations between these four parties and three of them will form a coalition again. So I think what we saw this evening actually from six o'clock as soon as the polling place closed was uh, Amin Laschet and Olaf Scholz wooing both the Greens and the Liberals and the Greens and the Liberals both being very aware of that very fact and uh, promising each other that they will consult with one another first. So there's a certain new balance of power in Germany that's not the big parties anymore, but it's the small parties that together at least, as long as they're united, have the power to co-determine at least what's going to happen with this country. And that's new, but it's not revolutionary. (laughs) Yeah, um, I wanted to ask you also, uh, you've been in Munich in recent days, you were at the final big campaign event of the CDU-CSU with Angela Merkel and Armin Laschet, but also there, of course, was the Bavarian Premier Markus Söder, also the leader of the Christian Social Union, the sister party of the CDU, and very much a player in these talks as well. How do you think the CSU are going to play this, uh, Florian? Because they had previously insisted that uh, the Union, 
as their alliance with the CDU is known, had to come first for them to be forming a government. And obviously there have been questions within the CSU, some pretty loud ones asked about Armin Laschet. They thought Marcus Suder would have been a better chancellor candidate. How do you see them playing things over the next uh, few weeks? Well, there's two or three things to be said. One is that this conviction that Marcus Söder would have been a better candidate has not changed at all, of course. So he still thinks this evening's results would look much different if he had gone for being the joint candidate for chancellor. But at some point, maybe two weeks ago or so, he composed himself a little bit and the CSU did the same and campaigned actually for Armin Laschet which had to do with the fact, I would think, that of course you can't distance yourself completely from the result of your joint candidate, even in your own state of Bavaria. So at some point, there were boring signals that if this goes wrong, this would damage even Marcus Söder's reputation as being a good campaigner. That was about the point when he came along and joined the Lascher train. For tonight, what that means, I think it was surprising and it was actually quite a signal from Söder that he was A, in Berlin, and B, said very early on in the evening that the CSU would back Armin Laschet's attempts to form a government because the two parties, the CDU, CSU, and the SPD are not very far apart. And because it was Söder's narrative, at least people did not want a left-led government. Das hat heute schon eine Klatsche bekommen. Die Deutschen möchten nicht Rot-Rot-Grün. Which gave them uh, a narrative, as I said, to say that it's it's up to them to try to form a government now. And that was really something that in the CDU headquarters, as we know, was actually not very certain. So people were quite worried about what the CSU would do. I think this evening is very reassuring for Camp Laschet. Right. So he's safe, safe for the moment, at least as long as these uh, discussions go on about a possible government. Let's switch to the Greens and to our reporter, Emily Schulteis, who uh, followed them closely uh, in recent months, uh, wrote a profile of Annalena Baerbock, which you can find on our website. Emily, what's your sense of you know, which way the Greens would like to go here. They have governed before with the Social Democrats. They were the junior partner to uh, Gerhard Schröder when he was uh, the chancellor. But more recently, they've been kind of retooling themselves, perhaps, or reorienting themselves a bit to be an easier coalition partner with the Christian Democrats. But which way do you think instinctively they would like to go here? Or do they not have a preference? I mean, I think one of the interesting things about the way that the Greens have developed in the last couple of years is that if you look at the state level, they're in coalitions with both of those parties. And so they've really proven to be sort of pragmatic and, and flexible when it comes to building a government with the other parties on the spectrum. I mean, I think what you had seen in the days leading up to today was sort of a growing warmth between, for example, at the last debate between Annalena Baerbock and the SPD candidate Olaf Scholz. You know, tonight, I think you're seeing both Greens leaders, so Babok and the co-leader, Hobart Habeck, being kind of, you know, holding back a little bit, saying that, that they really haven't sort of made a decision or been leaning in either direction. But I guess I would say from a purely um, policy and political standpoint, and frankly, as well as a personal rapport standpoint, if you look at the way the campaign has gone, that it seems like the SPD would be the likelier option for them, at least to start. 
Mm. Let's have a look at the other party that we haven't really mentioned so far. That's the Free Democrats. Matt, give us a, you know, if you like, a potted profile of that party, what it stands for and what they would be most interested in, in getting out of any coalition that they would join. Well, the Free Democrats are usually described as business friendly, uh, which they are. They see themselves as a liberal party. Some people would dispute that because they also have a fairly conservative profile on a number of issues, such as migration, among others. And they've sort of long been one of the pillars of the German party system. Until the Greens came along, they were the kingmaker for decades in German politics, sort of uh, shifting between the CDU camp and the Social Democrats. And under Lindner, they've sort of come back in the last several years after being shut out of parliament for a term. And there was a bit of drama, some of you will remember, in 2017, when the FDP went into exploratory coalition talks with the CDU and the Greens. Those talks lasted for about a month, and then Lindner decided to pull out at the last minute. In any case, he is again in a very powerful position, Lindner, this time around, as are the Greens. And to me, the real question is not which of these three parties decide to get together so much, these three of the four, but which large party, the FDP and the Greens, decide to choose as their mommy or daddy, depending how you look at it. And, you know, this could come down as much to a decision between the FDP and the Greens over which way to go, as it will between one of the larger parties and the two smaller ones. And I'm not convinced that the Greens, even though they've made noises towards the SPD and and the FDP obviously has made a lot of noises towards going into coalition with the CDU, or they're saying that's their preference, but I'm not convinced it's going to, you know, there's a lot of clarity how this will end up. It's too close to call. There is some precedent for a three-way coalition between the so-called Jamaica coalition at the state level uh, recently. And one of those was negotiated by Robert Habeck, who's the co-leader of the Greens of the National Party. And, you know, there's a very good chance, I think, that it could happen again, given how close these polls are. Mm. We have uh, noted, uh, sometimes quite sharply, that there was not a lot of discussion about foreign policy and about the European Union in the debates that were held as part of the election campaign, so we should not make that omission. So one final one for you, Florian. If we look at the two permutations, and of course it depends what a coalition agreement would contain, the two main options being a traffic light, you know, led by the SPD with the Greens and the and the Free Democrats, or what's called a Jamaica because it, the colours match the colours of the Jamaican flag, which would be CDU, CSU, plus those other two parties. Where would people in Brussels notice the most change with, with either of those compared to, you know, the current course of, of German-EU policy? Or would it be pretty much business as usual? Well, when it comes to European affairs, I don't think there's that many differences. But looking at foreign affairs, and that come more uh, figure more prominently in, in the past. If you think about Russia and China as the two most you know prominent issues that are on the foreign policy agenda, I do think that if the Greens would go for the Foreign Office, there would be some change, as their stance on a lot of these things is actually quite different from both the SPD, which has held the Foreign Office in the past term, and the CDU. 
and Angela Merkel herself. So I do think that actually German foreign policy would be the one policy area where we would see much change. Okay, thanks Florian, and thanks to all of our political reporters for contributing to that live Twitter discussion. And that's a wrap on this special edition of EU Confidential. Before we go, a few reminders. We'll be continuing our German election live blog today, so be sure to check that out at politico.eu. And we have a German election playbook, which goes out every day at 5pm. You can sign up for that. It's free to get all the latest details on how the coalition talks unfold. And Politico will be hosting another live event this Wednesday, September the 29th at 6pm. It will take stock of the election results and look at Europe after Angela Merkel. It will include a discussion with Manfred Weber of the European People's Party and other political players and observers, as well as Matt and Florian. So go to politico.eu for more details on that. And if you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe or follow us so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave us a rating and a review, preferably a nice one. That's all from Berlin. Thanks this week to Lucas Kotkamp, Anna Fota, and our executive producer, Christina Gonzalez. And thanks to you for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.